Yo, y'all listen up. I got something to say. I'm going to speak the truth to you, but some of y'all, you took a shortcut, a convenience this summer. You was like, coach ain't here. The season's weeks away. I got time. Are you kidding me? As a college athlete, you got four, maybe five years to be great or be forgotten. So are you home taking it easy? Somebody else is out there in the heat just about killing itself to make their name great. But you got time. And Yo, what's up, y'all? Thank y'all for joining us here at the Athletes Table Podcast. I'm your host, Dylan Kraft. Alongside me is the Lebanese Stallion. What's good, dude? How's everything going? It's going good, man. I'm sore as shit. <laughs> Playing volleyball does yeah. not help that's that saying, at all. That's saying volleyball hits different, man. Oh, yeah. Especially staying up the night before at the Savannah Bananas game. Yeah, that was fun. That was good. That, that, was, good. that was a good time. If, if you haven't been to a Savannah Bananas baseball game yet, I know it's not traditional baseball, but... It is a fun time. They do they do such good work. Jesse Cole, he's 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 a mad genius. Yeah, I, mad I spoke genius. to him for a minute. I was like, man, like what you're doing for baseball right now, it's commend you a lot. Yeah, I I commend you 100 percent because yep. um, he's one of those owners. Like he's not going to sit up in a press box and just watch. He's no. going to be out in the stands. He's, he's in the crowd the whole game, and he is going to be the first one out there to sign autographs, talk mm-hmm. to kids, everything else. And he's usually the last one to stay. Right. Yeah. So he's really really cool dude. But it was a it was a fun game, man. Um, now get there very early. Um, oh, at least three I, four hours. Early. I mean, very very early because uh, we were we got there at five, an hour and a half before hour and a half before, and we we had to stand the whole time because yeah. we couldn't get a seat. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But I'll I'll say if y'all definitely wanna wanna check one of those games out. I know it's difficult to get tickets, but if you it's can, worthwhile. it's it's worth it hundred percent. But. I'll throw it over here to Lebanese Sound to introduce our player segment. Point of this podcast, like you know, and what we're trying to get out to people, is everyone's journey is different. Winners and try to strip them to take away that they're just good. Yeah. Just admit they're good. The funny thing about this game, you fail 70% of the time. As long as you can have the determination and never give up, you have the world in your hands. The greatest glory in living lies not in never failing but rising and every single time we fall. Yeah, so we got a dude, man. He he worked his ass off the whole time. You know, grinding to be a manager, going through every regime change that you could have in a basketball program, not just one time, mm-hmm. three times. You know, that that's a killer right there on in and all of itself. <laughs> and then to make the team and stick with the team through all the regime changes, I mean, you got to give it up to a man named Evan Umstead, man. How's and, and the host. Of the weekly oh, yeah. podcast and the host, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. how's it going? Yeah. Man, it's going good, man. I, I appreciate y'all having me on, man. I, I appreciate the introduction for sure. I forgot it was three. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Levo <laughs> <laughs> to Perry to Dooley to uh, what's his name now? Shorts. Shorts. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was gone, so I was gone. I was gone yeah. for sports, but I, I have um I have met Coach Shorts and I've talked to him. So I've been at practice and I, I went to some games. So and I know um my one of my old roommates, well, actually two of my old roommates, Luigi Debo and, and Dave 
Hisange were both on the team. So, yeah, I do. I guess I guess, yeah, three, three, I guess three counts. So thank you all for having me on, man. Yeah, yeah, uh, glad definitely. you were able to make it. Yeah, it was short notice, but we were able to get it on. Um, yeah. So we'll just go ahead and get right into it, yeah. man. Talk to us a little bit, like, where you came from, what was your family like, how did you get your introduction to sports? Yeah, so for me, man, I, I just like to say, man, I'm, I'm a sports junkie, man. I love all sports, and it's kind of been like that my whole life, right? So, like, well, I, there's a story my mom always tells when I was, like, eight years old. I was, like, in the Target, like, riding a bike or something. You know how they have those bikes you can kind of ride around or something? And this guy asked me, like, my mom was talking about her son because I, I started playing basketball when I was three years old. Um, mm-hmm. I'm originally from Cary, North Carolina, um, that Raleigh, North Carolina area, Um I moved in high school in ninth grade to the Charlotte area, went to Huff High School, and then my senior year, I went to Northside Christian. Um, but uh, kind of did my start, though, like, I, I've just always loved sports. So, you know, um, when I was eight, the story is, like, he asked me something, like, who do you think is going to win the game tonight? The Lakers were playing somebody. I can't remember. And at the time, like, Kobe, that was, like, I guess Kobe, like, you know, Shaq had kind of broken off, so it was just, like, the Kobe show was going crazy. And I, like, knew his numbers. Like, I knew the exact number he was averaging. Um, in points, like it was like 28, whatever it was. I can't remember now. <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I think the Lakers are going to win because Kobe's averaging like something, something. And the guy was like, what? And he was like, how old are you? And I was like, eight or something. And he was like, oh, wow, this kid like knows a lot about sports. And a lot of that is because like, you know how in the summertime, like Sports Center, if you turn on Sports Center right now, it's like the same show over and over and over again. And I never really watched cartoons growing up. Like the only time, only reason I know about SpongeBob is like I have a little sister who used mm-hmm. to watch it and like, I see clips on social media and people like, you know, sing the song, the Krusty Krab piece or whatever. So that's the only reason I know about SpongeBob. I used to watch Sports Center on repeat and our aunt used to watch us and she used to like try to change it to her soaps and stuff. And mind you, it's the same show over and over again. Like pardon the interruption might come on or yeah. like something else. First take might come on, but like basically it's the same show over and over again. So like, um, I would just like, you know, she would try to change the channel for Sports Center, and I'd be like, "No, no, don't change it, don't change it," because like, you know, they might there might be a breaking news story, you know, yeah. free agency going, you know, that something might change. So I've just always loved sports, man. I started playing like I, my dad had me in the Y League. I was like three years old, and like I don't know if y'all know much about Cary, but like it's a small town. Like there aren't a ton of great athletes coming out of there. So like for I was always like kind of um you know like advanced for my age yeah. so like um playing and carry like kind of wasn't um it wasn't a terribly too much of a challenge but it was great because like i mean you know when you first started playing a sport and you're having success it's like oh this is fun like yeah and my dad played football at East state so like he always like he just always had me around sports like i had a little play made goal in my house so like i'll always shoot on that um and i just always play sports i played like flag football and then I played baseball through middle school um through sixth grade and then I stopped playing but basketball I always loved like it just always came back to me so that's kind of how I started playing my dad grew up in Durham so he had me playing this church league um because like our home church was in Durham so that's kind of how I know KB who I know y'all have talked about a couple times because Mm -hmm. like I know KB because I was playing my dad that the league was nine and twelve my dad was the coach so he started having me play in that league, like, when I was, like, seven. So, like, I would be tough for competition. And, like, I don't know if y'all know much about Durham, but, like, you know, it's a, it's a more, or like, urban area, so rougher area. So, but the kids, like, the basketball is always, was better there. Yeah. So, like, I played, like, well, against them. That's kind of how I got better and I got, like, a little bit of toughness in me. And um, 
I know KB since I was like seven years old. Like we used to have sleepovers and everything. My start because it's like okay, I'm gonna get better kids. I'm starting to have some success there, and then that's kind of how it started for me. Like okay, I really love basketball and I was pretty talented at it. And like I'm not the tallest. I'm probably like six one. So like you know, and my dad didn't for whatever reason he didn't really want me to have, like playing football that much. And baseball, I was pretty good. But then I started like they told me like, hey, you need to like wear goggles if you want to see the ball because I was too young for contact. So I was like, all right, I'm done with this. Like, I'm wearing goggles. Like, I'm out. I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm done with this. So then, like, I just kind of, I kept rolling with basketball. Um, and I was always pretty good, like, coming up. Um, and then I'm sure we'll talk more about, like, high school and different stories and moving and stuff. But I've just always loved it. It's been my passion. So that's just kind of how I started. Like, since I was three years old, I always loved the game. And I just kept rolling with it. You know, YouTube. My dad sat me down and was like, because, you know, if you're from Cary, like the best, our best players were like going to like St. Augustine, like Shaw, like um William Peace, like nothing's wrong with those universities at all. But like, you know, my dad sat me down when I was young and he showed me John Wall highlights. And I was like, who is this? Like, who is this dude? This dude is crazy. And my dad is like, oh, he's from, he's from here. He's from Raleigh. And I was like, what? Like, he's from Raleigh? Like, no way he's from Raleigh. So that just kind of sparked my interest and opened me up because, you know, when you're from Cary, you're like, okay, I just like, you know, you're just hooping. Like, you know, you don't really think much about it. Like, you know, um, but that kind of opened my mind. Like, okay, it's, it's up to, um, you know, it's a bigger world out there. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, my journey was a little different. Like you said, I was a manager for three years um, through a lot of different regimes before I even got put on the team. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But my high school journey was different. Um, I feel like I was always kind of underrated. Recruiting was always weird. Um, we'll talk about more of that later. But, yeah, I've always loved the game, man. That's kind of how I got into it. Sorry, that's a long-winded answer. But, I don't know. <laughs> that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when you were in Cary, mm-hmm. transition to Charlotte, what was that yeah. whole transition like moving from, you know, small a little smaller town to the great city of Charlotte, you know, a million and a half people? The Queen City. Yeah, Queen City. Yeah. Oh man, it was honestly it was crazy. It was a I was actually just talking about this with some of my friends from Charlotte today. Mm-hmm. It was a totally different culture shock, totally different. Because when I grew up, like when I grew up in Cary, like um, you know, my dad always had me go to like different workouts. Like Micah Lancaster's this huge trainer. Yeah, like, I, I used like, to work out with Micah all the time. Yeah, yeah. So he's this huge trainer. So I used to like go to those and like mm-hmm. work out and do stuff like that. And like I wasn't really, like, working on my game on my own. Like, I used to go play pickup, like, all the time. That was, like, kind of how, like, you know, the why. That's the how you feel better yeah, without yeah. having to really train. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I'm always, like, doing that all summer and stuff. And then I moved to Charlotte. And my freshman year, I went to Apex High School. And um, my freshman year, like, I was playing basketball. And I was, like, naturally, like, okay, I'm pretty good. Like, you know, I'm, I was having a solid season. And I played football. And, like, I hadn't played football since I was in, like, sixth grade. And I was on JV, I was on JV, and I had, like, an interception, touchdown, a few tackles. I was one of the top leading tacklers, and I was. they moved me to eight quarters. I don't know if y'all know what that is. Like, you know, you play JV, then you dress out varsity. And mind yeah. you, like, I hadn't played football, like, in a minute, and, like, I just kind of hopped out there. And then, um, you know, everything was kind of good. Like, basketball was going okay. I played a little bit of varsity in the summer. I started off on JV, and, like, you know, you come back – you know, for football season, you know, knocking the rust off. And I was starting to, you know, kind of get my feet wet at Apex. And um, I'm I'm moving to Charlotte. Like, my dad worked for P- Progress Energy. 
and Progress right. Energy and Duke Energy had a merger. So mm-hmm. they like they didn't have that office in Raleigh anymore. We had to move to Charlotte. Mm-hmm. So they were gonna try to get have me um they were gonna try to have me kind of like uh start off in um start off and finish out in, in Raleigh. My sister had already moved to Charlotte with my mom. And like then we were gonna go after the season. And then like they kind of like, you know, it's hard having your family split like that. So they were like, all right, like at the Christmas break, like they're around December time, like you're gonna play like one more game at Apex, then we're gonna move to Charlotte. And I was like, all right. I mean, I didn't know much about Charlotte, but like all I knew was Carrie. Like I grew up, you go to middle school, elementary school with all these kids. So like you know everybody you play against. Like you're like, okay, I'm like, I'm one of the better players in the city for sure. Like I'm not worried about it. Like I'll be fine. Like, you know, I'm on a good arc. And then when I moved, I was driving up there and we stopped in um we stopped in this bathroom in this town like um called like Mebbin or uh, not Mebbin. Uh, yeah, Mebbin where the outlets are, the Nike outlets yeah. are. Yeah. So we stopped there and I am going to the like bathroom and like um in the bathroom there's this uh you know article and it's like um Huff's May has 20 and 20 again or something like that or 20 and 15. And I'm like this dude, it's like this dude in the picture, like he has the unibrow, like doesn't literally look that like athletic. I'm like, okay, Luke May, huff. And then I would like ask my dad where I was going to school because they were trying to decide. Like my parents always, you want to go to a good school academically, yeah. but um, you also want to get to a school where your kid can advance because they knew I love sports. Mm-hmm. So they were like, oh yeah, you're going to huff. And I was like, I think they just had an article about some dude like Luke May, like I don't know, he doesn't like. He doesn't look that great. Like, all right, like he looks all right. Like, he didn't really pass the eye test. Like, all right, I'm going to be fine here. So then when I moved there, I'm, like, thinking I'm going to continue to play both sports, football and basketball. And then um, I'm, like, I, I get there, I go to one football workout. And I'm, like, whoa, like, this is, like, something. Like, this is, like, next level. Like, I was at Huff, and we had, I think, six kids whose dad played in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And, like, the first workout, like, their terminology, I'm like, yo, this is, like, a different language. Like, I, I'm from, like, Apex High. Like, we just, like, play cover two, like, you know, try to go see ball, get ball. Like, I don't know what this terminology is. Y'all's footwork. <laughs> like, these guys are training year-round. Like, we have Mark Fields, who was – I think he was an Army All-American. Marco Osborne, Under Armour All-American. Corey Bell played at Chapel Hill. Um, Adam Smith played at JMU under Mike Houston when they won a national championship. Um, you know, more guys that played D1. Carl Tucker played at tight end at Carolina, then transferred to Alabama. Like, I mean, it was crazy. Like Tyler Morrell, like it was crazy. So I'm like, oh yeah, I don't know if football's for me. So then I go to basketball workouts, and then it's like we had Luke May, obviously Carolina national champion, uh Jaquez Jackson, who was like a really good player. Theo Mack played really good. We had this seven-foot guy named Tucker Thompson who walked on at NC State. Ryan Friday, who was one of my best friends, who was like played at JUCO down at Wilmington. Um, Cape Fear, like, was really good there. He played with JJ Miles there. Yeah. Um, and like, so I'm like, I'm in workouts, and I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta pick it up, man. Like, I gotta start, like, you know, shooting after, like, start running, really start taking this craft seriously. And like, the football coach came in the gym one day, and I was playing um basketball pickup. He was like, you playing football? And I looked at him, and I was like. Uh no, nah, I'm not playing football. Like I made that split decision. Like, no, I gotta focus on one of these. So moving to Charlotte, I really had to just focus in and lock in on one sport. And it was a grind. It was totally different. Like we played against so many good players. Kennedy Meeks is from Charlotte. Torn Dorn, who played at NC State, was from and um Charlotte was from Charlotte. Um it was just so many good players, man. It was totally eye-opening for me. Yeah. That that's how it was here in Raleigh when I because I went I'm in the heart of Raleigh. 
And that's how it was like yeah. against Theo Pinson, Harry Giles, you name them. We we were the same situation as you guys. Um, yeah. So completely understand that. But uh, yeah. that that transition, what was your high and your low? Like, what was your real high and real low about transitioning to Charlotte? I know you said you had yeah, so- four and all that, but like mentality wise, where, where were you with it? Yeah, so honestly, man, like the real high for me, like I was thankful because um there was this AU team called uh Cherokee Flight, and I don't know if y'all ever heard of them or played against them, yeah. but like they basically like would pick up like some of the better players from around the state. Um, the coach, like it was like a lot of uh Cherokee like Native Americans on the team, but like they would also pick up like Harry Giles played a couple tournaments for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Bam played a couple tournaments with them, and yep. they picked me up when I was in ninth grade. And, um, like, it was a high because it was such a good team. And, like, I, I ended up playing pretty well. Like, we played Team Charlotte, I think, in the state semifinals. And, like, I had a really good game. I had, like, 18 or 19. Um, in the championship, I had a good game, too. And, like, this was, like, the premier team at that time for ninth graders, like Cherokee Flight, like, up there with Team CP3. So I had a really good tournament with them. They wrote an article about us and everything. And, um, like, that was – it was such a high. But the low was, like, um, you know – just being away from all my friends that I grew up with. Like I used to come home before I met my friends in Charlotte, really. And Luke was actually one of the like first people to introduce me to Charlotte. Um, he was like, we were sitting at the lunch table and I used to sit at lunch by myself, man. Cause I didn't know anybody like Charlotte's a huge area. I'm oh, from yeah. a small town. Like I knew everybody I grew up with. So like a lot of these kids been going to school together for a minute or like they know somebody that knows somebody. So like I used to sit at lunch by myself, man. I used to come home and just play 2k all day. Like, and if I wasn't in the gym at the wild, like I was just like it was a lonely time. And it, it was tough too because like you play AAU team AAU and like you don't know these coaches. Like and they have like, you know, coaches uh, every team I played for in Charlotte had like a son, coach who had a son on the team that played like the same position as me. So that was rough. Um, you know, I've had a good tournament. Um, you know, Rick Lewis, all these scouts coming up to me, like, hey, we scout for like Cincinnati, this and that, like um, all these top schools, Xavier. And they were like, hey, where are you playing? I'm in ninth grade. So I'm thinking, okay, like I moved to Charlotte. I kind of adapted. And they go, um, like, where are y'all playing in July? Because, you know, that's a big recruiting time. So we were playing in and down in Orlando at Nationals. And, like, my dad couldn't go to the tournament. And my dad's never been one of those helicopter parents. Like, he's always kind of let me kind of do my own thing. Like, he played football. So, like, it was kind of different. Um, But, you know, we go down to the National Tournament, and I'm, like, not playing at all, like, nothing at all because you know you, it's different when you don't have anyone to really vouch for you or you don't really know them and they're mm. just gonna play their guys even if you had a good state tournament like now we're on the national stage we're gonna play our guys which i understood but it kind of sucked being 14 years old like that really kind of kind of hurt me because you know i didn't really have that cachet that i did have back home in, in the 919 so that was really tough for me but um i was able to adapt and adjust like uh, my sophomore year i played varsity at huff and uh, my recruiting story was always a little weird, you know, um, a lot of ups and downs when it came to that. And part of that was my fault, just like own inconsistency. Um, just like when you're a young kid, you aren't as consistent with your work. So your play isn't as consistent. I think that's more of what it was. But also being put in that right situation is extremely important, as y'all know. And, um, you know, I had to kind of learn on the fly with that stuff. Yeah. One one thing I do have to ask just before we go farther, since we're still in the high school phase. So you yeah. coach Neil up at Apex. Yep, Coach Neal. That's yeah, Coach Neal. So his dad's my awesome neighbor. Really? Yeah. So yeah, Coach Neal was the reason why I went to Apex. Cause like I said, right. I'm from Cary. 
So yeah. I, I grew up, I, I went to school, like I went to Adams Elementary. I went to Lufkin Road Middle School, which is in Apex. And like my parents always wanted me in year round school. Um, so that's kind of how I ended up in that. So one of my best friends, Quavis Johnson, went to Green Hope. And yeah. like we were best friends, we played AAU together and everything. So like that time you could pick, I think my three schools I could pick from was Apex, Cary, and Green Hope. Mm-hmm. And I wanted like uh, Middle Creek at that time. They had a really good football team. Like I like I'm not sure if they still do, but they were have really good at football. But they weren't that great at basketball. But yeah. I always like was intrigued by football. I knew I wanted to play in high school. And Apex had like wasn't really great at football, but they had like good players here and there. But uh, Coach Neal's been like a great coach, and like, they won a state championship the year after I yeah. left. Like yeah. it was crazy. But coach Neal's a good coach. Yeah, he he. Uh, so now he's at Sanderson High in Raleigh. And he's the reason why my brother went from really? where he was in his freshman sophomore year to Sanderson because he's now the uh, AD at Sanderson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Dad's right. So I've known him for my whole life. Yeah, Coach uh-huh. Neal's a Coach Neal's a good coach, man, and he was the reason why. Like when I ended up going there, like I was like, well, um, I think at at the time Green Hope had like this coach, the guy named Coach Green, which I really liked him. But, like, their team wasn't, like, Apex has been, like, a really good team for a while, like, when I was growing up. And, um, you know, like, Ian Boyd, I don't know if y'all know who that is, but Ian Boyd, like, he was um he was going to Apex, too. And, like, me and him were always pretty cool. And I just thought it was the best of both worlds because, like, I like the football coaches at its, like, time that they had. Um, and then I like the basketball coaches. And then, like, a lot of kids from Lufkin Row were going there. So I was like all right, I'll just rock with Apex because I didn't know that many people at Green Hope. Um, and then they weren't – they didn't have the history, really. And then Carrie, like, um, there was always, like, just growing up, you always hear these, like, comments about, like, you know, the coach that they had at Carrie, uh, football and basketball. So I was like, man, I'm not going there and getting put in the box. <laughs> and Coach Neal at the time, he had uh, he had TJ Evans and, and TJ Wells. Like, they were starting on varsity as a sophomore, and they were like, they were the talk of the city. Like, they were going to get – like, everybody thought at the time, like, TJ TJ Evans, like, everybody thought he was going to be, like, going to Carolina. Like, you know, he was, like, averaging 20. As a, yeah, like, he was, you know, like, he, he was a legend. So, like, I love watching him. So, I'm like, yeah, I'm going up to play with those guys. Like, I'm going to <laughs> Yeah, no, so Coach Neal, though, he, he's a good guy. He was he was oh, yeah. great in my time here, though. So, I got much respect for him. Absolutely. Um. So one thing I do want to ask is, as you were going through and you started playing in at Huff and things, what was your recruiting process like? I know you mentioned some of it a little bit before at Peach Jam and stuff like that, but what was it like yeah. through that whole whole process, especially with all the big names you had around you? Yeah, yeah. So no, like when I uh, first started at Huff, man, it was crazy because you know every time we had open gyms and stuff, it was my first time. Like we, I remember coming to the gym and like I would be. You know, the varsity year, you get broken down into a couple groups. Mm. And, like, you say, I'm in a group with Luke. Like, it used to be coaches in the gym, like, people at the gym with polos. And I'm, like, looking, like – because in Apex, like, we had, like, as good – like I said, as good as TJ was, like, TJ was, like, 6'1", and he was a two-guard. So, like, a lot of coaches weren't really coming to Apex to really see him, at least, like, not when my when I was there. And, like, if they did, they would come just to see him, and I was playing football. So when I first got in the gym at Huff, I'm like seeing college coaches because they're coming to see Luke. And I'm like, oh, man. And I, as a broad product of seeing Luke, they would like ask about other players and stuff like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But for me, my process was really, um, like I said, it was it was up and down, man. Because like I had situations like uh, when I was a sophomore, 
like I kept um having these situations where like Fairmont State came into the gym to see one of like my um like older teammates because mm-hmm. like a lot of different schools come in. And I would go to like a camp at like Fairmont State, Queens, um, Catawba. And that was kind of like later on, like my junior, senior year. And I would go there and I would kill. And then like the coaches would like, you know, take me on a tour of the campus, um, sit me down. They'd be like, yeah, we're not going to offer you. You have something bigger coming. And I'd be like, I don't have anything right now. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, like offer me the damn school, like, school thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So like it was just, that was kind of how my process was. And then my play was kind of, you know, up and down. Like I have good AAU tournaments, but then like my college, my high school season was up and down because we had a lot of coaching change at um off and you know a lot of things. You know, when a new coach changes, then it comes in and we had a lot of good players at Huff, so the rotation was always changing. Mm-hmm. So my numbers weren't always fantastic. Like I think I would go on good stretches where I'm like, okay, I'm averaging like 14. Then I have stretches where I'm averaging like seven. Like you know, not have playing that well. And there was like you know um. I, it was an up and down process. And that's kind of what led me transferring to Northside Christian my senior year because I played for under coach Byron Dinkins and he mm-hmm. kind of really changed my life, honestly. Like, um, he was really like, you know, he played at UNC Charlotte. His jersey's retired there. He just was coaching there. Um, and I think they just had a coaching change, so he isn't coaching there anymore. But um, at Huff, though, it was, it was good because a lot of coaches got to see you. Yeah. But, like, for me, I felt like my play, like, they couldn't really, you know, justify like giving out an offer because, yeah. like, I don't think my numbers were as fantastic. Like, I show flashes, but like I said, I feel like for me, I wasn't necessarily consistent enough in a lot of things. And then on AAU, like I said, I was kind of trying to find the right AAU balance. Um, you know, I played for the with the Charlotte Nets, and mm-hmm. um, and then I played with um the Charlotte Aces, and we actually got on the Under Armour circuit, and like it was like tough because like. You know, there's so many good guards. Yeah. So if you're on a team where you're featured, it was tough for me to really get looks. Like my my last year of my junior year, I went to Coastal Camp and I had a really good like you know um, elite camp. Mm-hmm. I was really good. Like I thought they were gonna offer me. Like I, I really did. And they were like, okay, we're gonna come see you in July. And then I could they come um, come in July and I played on the same team as Ty Gasson, who played at Wilmington. And like um, you know. So Ty, like, you know, had a lot of coaches coming in to see him. So when they coastal came to see me, I didn't really play that much. So it was like, man, like, you know, that's out the window. So it was like, I felt like I was on the verge. Like my my career was like, I was always on the verge. I was always on the verge. But like nobody really pulled, pulled the um, you know, pulled the pulled the the gun and gave me the offer. So that was frustrating. And then um, you know, like I said, I went to camps like Catawba and they always would say, like, I went to Belmont Abbey. And I went to these schools and they would be like, um, one of my former Drexler Clark played at Belmont Abbey. And like the coaches were like, yeah, we loved you. Like we want to offer you, but like we don't want to waste the offer. And I'm like, dude, I have zero offers right now. Like I don't have any. But I would just be like, okay, like, you know, you're in high school. So you think, okay, yeah, he's probably right. I do have more offers coming. Yeah. Then my junior year, between my junior and senior year, I was about to transfer to Village Christian. And then okay. some stuff, some stuff happened there. Like they had a lot of like they had Abuka Zundu who went to Miami. Like so oh, yeah. I was but against had, him. Yeah, yeah, they were they were huge. So like they had like um a lot of guys who were getting offers. But then something happened. Like and then I ended up going to Northside Christian, and like it's crazy. Like I said, I'm six one six two, and we had a team with like Nate Hinton who just like had like he played at Houston. Yep. He just had like a ton of points last night in the summer league for Houston the Rockets. He had like 27. He was so he was like a top prospect. James Lewis played at App State. 
Donovan Gregory played at App State, and he was like a rising freshman. Um, Chris Martin, who played at Presbyterian, was on the team. Mm -hmm. So, like, we had a lot of really good guys. Colton Cashaw played at um, D1 for Iona. Um, there were, like, a lot of guys. So they kind of had an established team because um, yeah. they had guys like Keyshawn, John, Keyshawn Woods, sorry, who played at um, Charlotte. Like, they mm -hmm. have been to, I think, six or seven straight state championships and won, like, five of them when I went to Northside. So, like, when I went there, like, I'm, like, this dude from Huff who's, like, averaging, like, nine points a game, if that. So, like, you know, with no offers. So, they're, like, all right, who is this dude? But I really appreciate Coach Dink because he really gave me an opportunity to come in there and really grind for it. Like, they really showed me, like, the college mentality. Like, we used to run on the track every day, lift weights every day, then play pickup, just like a college team. Like, we yeah. used to do that in high school. So, that really prepped me for, like, whenever my time came at ECU, like, this is what comes into it, like, your conditioning and lifting weights. Mm -hmm. And then shooting after. Because I remember, like, I remember the first day we went on the track. I'm like, okay, cool. Track workout is hard, but I got it. Weight room, like, all right, I've really been lifting weights. This is, like, kind of hurting my arms. And, like, all right, yeah, now we about to hoop. I'm like, what? We about to hoop? Like, my, I can barely feel my arms. But it really, <laughs> it, really, it really trains, you know, for that grind. Like, Northside really did prepare me for college. And Coach Dink is, like, the, probably the best coach I ever had. Like, he really does a great job. Like, one of the coolest dudes ever, but he held us to a standard. Like, he only yelled at us one time at Northside. One time. He yelled at us one time. And then the rest of the time, like, you see Coach Dink, when he was coaching at Northside, he used to sit on the sideline, like, and no emotion, like, the coolest dude. And he always told us, like, hey, I love y'all. Like, I'm going to give y'all opportunity. Like, I was playing, like, I ended up getting into the starting lineup, and I was playing the four. I Mind you, I'm 6'1". Like, right. I was playing the four. And, like, I, like, most guys would be like, oh, he had me out of position. But, like, I really love Coach Dink. Like, he really, like, showed us that he, he cared for us. And to this day, we still talk. So yeah. Coach Byron Dink is really going to Northside really changed my life. And I had a good year there. I start off hot. Like, we played um, – it's so funny because every time I see this guy, um, it's so funny. DJ Burns was a freshman when I was a senior. And we played against him my first home game at Northside. And mind you, like I said, I'm playing the big because, like, I had been lifting weights. I was pretty strong. And, like, I had a really good game, hit a buzzer beater going into half. I might have had, like, 14, 16. I, I can't remember. But I had a good game. And, like, I'm starting. And I'm like, okay, but I'm, I'm playing the four. I end up getting, like, uh, pneumonia. So I lost a ton of weight, um, lost a ton of weight, and then I end up, like, kind of, uh, you know, getting the, getting the pneumonia um, and kind of battling through that. So um, I come back. We make it all the way to the state championship. We end up losing. Uh, we played uh, – we actually end up playing uh, the guy from Raleigh, Chris Monroe. He went to Providence for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So we played state semifinals, and I had a really good game there. So I'm starting to get my rhythm back. Mm -hmm. And then um, – like, I, I didn't really have any offers, man. Like, I'm like, oh, man, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I had been accepted to ECU. Um, and I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I felt like I was good enough to play D1. Yeah. So, like, you know, you're thinking, like, okay, like, still have walk-on trials. Like, I could just try out there, like, thinking it would be easy. <laughs> and, like, um, I got waitlisted at State. My dad's alma mater. He, like, knew people with the football team. And my mom went to Carolina. So, I was waitlisted there, too. Um and I was like, I don't want to wait. Like, I, I enjoyed Greenville. My dad actually um, was, like I said, he went to state. And um, he came to Greenville the year that um, Russell Wilson and state lost in Greenville to Coach Ruffney Neal and, like, all those guys. And my dad, like, it's funny. I, I don't even think I ever really told too many people this. I decided to go to ECU. I never visited ECU, not once. My dad went to the game, and he was like, 
the only thing I can't remember, he was like, man, the stadium was crazy. And, like, he was like, even as a state fan, like, they played all I do is win for, like, 45 minutes after the stadium. And Ruffin McNeil was just out there for, like, he was like, a lot of you not. It was, like, 45 minutes to an hour. They were just celebrating the win. Like, it was a crazy experience. My cousin, Antoine Simmons, played football at ECU, like, back when they kind of had it going in the 90s. Yeah. And, like, my dad, he went to the game with my dad. So they always told me about ECU. I had never been to ECU. So that's kind of how I got, like, to ECU. I was like, I was like well, I'm going to go there. Like, I heard the fan base is crazy. Like, you know, you think you're in high school. Like, I'm going to go there. I'm going to walk on. And this time, like, Baker Mayfield was, like, turning it up at Oklahoma's walk-on. So I'm walk like, on. So walk-on still going there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, okay, I'll just walk on there. Like, I can play D1. Like, I've been to these camps, the Coastal Camp. Like, I've been to D1 camp, Charlotte camps. So I play with these guys. Like, I know I can play D1. I play high school with Luke. Like, I know I can play D1. So it's like, let me just get my foot in the building, like, They'll have walk-on trials, like, I'll be fine. So, that I, I was – I guess I was in for a rude awakening then when they, like – when I walked into ECU my first day on campus, like, do you guys have walk-on trials? They were like, no, but you could be a manager. So, so that's kind of how my whole journey went, man, for sure, when it came to that. So, as you go and become manager, what was that first season like under a legend in the state of North Carolina, especially in eastern North Carolina, even though he went to Chapel Hill? Um, what was that whole yeah. experience like just learning from, you know, watching how he conducts practices saying, Hey, I can do that too. You know, how, how it was that like? Yeah. So funny thing, coach Lebo, man, it's, it's so funny. Cause like you said, we had three different regimes when I was there and coach Lebo is like, it was him and coach Dooley, like totally opposites, like total opposites. And for me, man, like I will say coach Lebo, like, he really was, like, he used to – Um, I used to live in Central Campus because, like, I didn't know anything about ECU. So, like, for whatever reason, I'm thinking, like, oh, this is closer to classes. Like, knowing me, I'm spending all that time in athletics. I should have been living on the hill. So, like, I used to make the walks and stuff, like, walks. Because the bus, like, I, I didn't really have patience. Like, all right, I'm going to just walk it. So, I'm with you. Yeah. yeah. And, like, even then, the bus doesn't even go to Central Campus. It goes to West End. So, it's like, all right, regardless, I'm going to have to walk. So, but Lebo used to, like, sometimes used to pick me up, like, when he was leaving the gym, like, hey, I'll drop you off. Um, but one thing I'm thankful for is, like, it was actually no hesitation. Like, AD talked about, like, how they kind of, like, wouldn't let him practice at first. Like, the first day, the first practice we had at ECU, like, they let me hop in, like, into practice doing a drill. And um, I was coming off the ball screen, and BJ Tyson was guarding me. And, like, I, I never heard about BJ. Obviously, BJ carried, carried all the aura with him. And, like, I'm coming off a ball screen, and, like, first of all, practice is just, like, going, like, flying by. Like, the speed is totally different. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm coming off a ball screen, and BJ jumps the ball screen because, like, I'm a freshman. I wasn't that – I didn't have that much weight on me. So, he's, yeah. like, about to knock me out of bounds. So, I'm, like, oh, boy, I got to do something. So, I just go behind the back and, like, in and out behind the back, and the screen's still right there. So, he trip, he either trips over the screen or he fell. I don't know. Either one. Something <laughs> yeah, he fell. He fell. Sounds better. Yeah, he fell. Either one, he fell. And then, like, mind you, the pre- it's going so fast, I don't even really know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to get this guy off me. So, yeah. I get him off me, and then I go down and, like, make a shot. And everybody's like, okay, okay, okay. Like, And he's, like, getting mad because he's like, man, who's the freshman manager, like, you know, coming in here. But I thank Coach Lebo for giving us an opportunity to really – um get in and, and kind of let us um you know let me practice as a manager for sure and like um he never really like talked you know down or anything there were situations obviously as a manager where you run into um you know coaches like saying like hey you gotta you know do this and do that which I had no problem to do whatever it took when it came to being a manager 
But um, it was it was tough sometimes. But especially when you you're out there practicing, you're like, OK, I think I can do this. But I think Coach Lipo for, you know, giving us that opportunity. But he was just, like, super chill, man. Like, it was kind of tough because, you know, I feel like our team then, like, we kind of got – I like to say, like, we got two totally different ends of the spectrum. Like, Lebo is, like, super chill. Like, and Dooley is, like, super intense. Like, as intense as it gets. Like, yeah. as intense as it gets. So, Coach Lebo was – he was – he really offensively, though, like, when it came down to, like, some of the plays and, like, his office of knowledge, especially his knowledge of, like, shooting, he really, like, knew what he was talking about. I think our culture there, that was, like, kind of the – that's the, the toughest thing when it came to ECU and Greenville was, like, if our culture was right, we could have been a been a special team. And then my freshman year, he had – ended up getting hip surgery, and then we were under Coach Perry for a little bit. Then he came back, and then he was kind of done. So I really wish, like, I could kind of got – more of Lebo, like maybe like when he was younger, because I feel like he was kind of drained because it's a lot. Like it really is a lot. Like going to ECU, being a student athlete at ECU, it, it really is a lot. It requires a lot of work and dedication. Like that's why I would say, like I salute Cliff Godwin for what he's done with the baseball program because sure. it was really, it was, it was really hard to do that. So um, I think that was kind of weighing on Coach Lebo, but um, it's good to see him now. He's at, he's back at his alma mater doing his thing, and and he was a good person. Like he talked to my parents. Um, you know, um, after it's funny because my parents saw him at like one of the diners downtown and he was like talking to them about, you know, he said, like, your son's a good player and stuff. And he always showed me that respect. So it was different. Um, it was definitely different. Um, his philosophy, like I feel like Coach Lebo would have been like really good for like an NBA coach or like um, one of those coaches to where like the players kind of have like, you know, it's kind of like a, a player led culture or something like that, because like in college, you kind of have to be like more demanding and more like on players backs a little bit um, because not every player is like really self-motivated like that. So I think that's kind of where the disconnect was with the team at least. But um, when it comes to as a person though, I really do respect Jeff Lebo, man. I wish him all, I wish him really well. So. Oh yeah. Absolutely. That was, um, yeah. So we'll, we'll get, we'll get into a little bit more of that transition between Lebo and Dooley right after this commercial break. Some days I have to ask myself, why don't I have a specific towel to clean my balls with? Am I really the three putt king? Is wearing leopard print on a golf course acceptable? Well, where we may not have the answers, you can find them at shankagolf.com. Here you can find high quality golfing apparel that makes you laugh even after you check that 102 on the scorecard. Be sure to use discount code JOINTHETABLE15 at checkout to take 15% off your entire order. Again. Use discount code JOINTHETABLE15 at checkout to take 15% off of your entire order. Shank it golf. Keep your balls clean. Welcome back to the Athletes Table. This is your host, the Lebanese Stallion. We are here with my boy, Evan Olmstead, man. Now we are talking about the time after Jeff Lebo. So when Lebo left... It's a little crushing. I remember the day he left. I was a little upset because everybody had the rumors that he was going to be the next coach at Carolina before uh, Hubert Davis was and all this kind of stuff. So um, there were some rumors being spread about that. But when he left, Coach Perry took over. What was it like working under an interim coach who wasn't 100% sure if he'd be returning the following season? Man, so it was just like – it was totally different, you know, Um one thing as a manager, too, you get the kind of players and the coach's side. Like, you get to see, like, the monitor the temperature on both sides. 
Yeah. Um, you could kind of just kind of feel the urgency, you know. Mm. Like he definitely wanted the job. Um, and then as a player, it was just kind of like it was a whirlwind because everything happened so fast. He kind of got thrown into the position fast. Um, it was tough, man. We were having a tough season. Um, you know, it was only like ten games into the season, right? When yeah, we yeah, yeah, and it was it was a rough one too because like, man, I think that year, I think that year we lost the Central Connecticut State. I think we lost the I lost lost the Ant and Minji's. Like it was it was rough, and then Lebo left, and then we kind of like under the gun, and um, Coach Perry was kind of thrown into the fire, and we were in a tough conference. Like you guys know, the Americans a tough conference. Um, you know, Cincinnati, Houston, mm-hmm. so um. You know, we were taking our lumps, honestly. I think Taco Fall, UCF, we were taking our lumps. And um, it was just tough for the players, coaches, for managers, for everyone involved. It was tough because, you know, Lebo, we, you know, that was the guy all those guys committed to was Lebo. Yeah. And then, um, you know, that's who I had worked under, you know, was Coach Lebo. Co- working under Coach Perry was different. But, you know, I appreciate Coach Perry. You know, he gave us a kind of same similar opportunity. Like, I know AD shouted out Green Machine, our scout team at yeah. the time. He let us kind of rock out. Yeah. Um you know, myself, um, I think Ian was there at the time, Ian Jones, John Whitley, uh, Addison Hill, Justin Miller, um, you know, so he let us really, you know, we kind of continued our same process. And mm-hmm. I even had a conversation. I remember having a conversation with Coach Perry about, like, you know, potentially walking on. And he was, like, something to keep in mind for sure. But, like, obviously, you know, you don't mm-hmm. know if this coach is going to be retained. Yeah. Right? Right. Um, For our players, too, you know, at ECU, we actually, like, I tell just people this a lot of all the time. We actually had a lot of really talented players there. Like there were some really good players there. Jeremy Shepard, Sean Williams, Cantrell, um, Dang React was really talented. Um, I don't want to miss any other guys. I know we had Caleb and BJ. They were really good players too as well. Dimitri. Uh, yeah, Dimitri A was really good. Justin Watley um could shoot it really well. Um, you know, there were a lot of a lot of good players there. So, like, it was just tough because, like, you know, you could tell, like, if you, y'all watched that year, like, mm-hmm. it felt like the chemistry, you know, we just couldn't get on one accord. Like, you see a lot of players, like, I know you guys probably saw them at the rec. You see them all play, like, the talent was there, but the chemistry wasn't there. So, it, w- it was a tough year, but, you know, everybody was really grinding and, and really trying to, you know, work hard for it. Um, you know, one one guy there at our time, we had this assistant coach, Doug Wojcik, yeah. and um, – he was like, you know, he was he was really hard on like he really used to treat our scout team kind of like it was like his team. Yeah. And he was really hard on us, but um he developed us like a lot of us, like myself, Ian, to really become players and kind of continue to keep a good mindset. Like Ian works with him now at Michigan State. And um, you know, he he was hard, but you know, you could tell like he he was a military guy. He was at Navy, you know, but you could tell he really cared about us and he wanted us to get better. So that was kind of a bright spot of that year, was working with Coach Worldjig. And then working with Addison Hill, like Addison was another one of those great players. Justice, shout out to my guy Justice. Those guys really worked hard. And, like, just seeing those guys every day, they came in, like, no matter what our record was, every day guys like John Whitley, um, Addison, Justice, um, even KB, KB coming in, having a good mentality. I know his year was kind of up and down, and and there was some turmoil there. But those guys came in, and they really did work hard. Jeremy Shepard, you know, putting in the work that they could. Yeah. To you know, make the season as good as it could have been. Um, I, I know we had Elijah there for some time too. So all those guys were great guys, and you know, just to seeing, even though we were ha- weren't having a good season, those guys really came in, worked hard. Caleb White was a really hard worker. Um, you know, that was that was good to see. So, um, it was a tough year, but you know, it was you felt everybody's urgency, and, and it was a lot of good that came out of that too. Yeah, but it really paid off for you because 
mm-hmm. a little bit after that, you got a chance to walk on. You finally got that mm-hmm. chance mm-hmm. and it ended up working out for you. You were able to play. Did you, you played your, I know you played your senior season. Did you play any of your junior year? Yeah. So my, I was a manager. So my first year I was a manager. It was all coach. Le- well, coach Lebo got hurt. Yeah. yeah. And he was out the rest of the year. Then my second year I was a manager with Lebo ended up quitting and then coach Perry and right. then Dooley came and I was a manager for one year on the Dooley. And then Dooley gave me an opportunity my fourth year on campus, mm-hmm. my senior year. But um, I was a, I was on the team. And then I was like, I had that extra year because, you know, the five year clock. Yeah. And um, I was on the team again with Dooley that, my, that last year. And then I had that COVID year. And then I just decided not to take it. And we can talk about that a little later. But um, yeah, so I was, Dooley came. And it was like a total switch. It was funny because the first workout, because <laughs> Dooley thought I was a player because, like, I was in the gym and, like, I, I was always in the gym. And then, like, he got hired and he was, like, doing the workouts, the infamous workout that Addison talked about with Isaac throwing the ball off the wall. Yeah. <laughs> so, Coach Dooley came and um, he was, um, you know, there. That was Jaden Gardner's freshman year. Mm-hmm. And um, Coach Dooley came and I was, like, he was doing the workouts and, like, they had the guards go down there. He, like, kind of pointed to me to go over with the guards. And I'm kind of running with it because I'm a manager. But, like, I'm, like, I kind of whispered to him, like, I'm a manager, but I'll hop in the ball handle workouts. So I always hopped in the ball handle workouts. It was kind of the same thing. Coach Dooley always saw me in the gym. Like, I probably worked out at, at Minji's in the gym. Like, Dylan knows he was my roommate. Yeah. And, like, I used to, like, go over there, shoot late nights. And, like, I feel bad. Like, that's probably why he moved out. Like, because I used to come in, like, go shoot late nights. <laughs> and like um, I come back and like shower. So they like if Dooley was there late hours, like all the coaches, all the regimes would always see me in the gym. So yeah. I think one good thing for me is I always let that impression on them is that I'll always work hard and I always did all my manager stuff, the laundry, rebounding for guys, working out guys. Like I probably worked out any hour of the day, like one a.m., eleven at night, like any hour. You, you I've probably been in Minji's or somewhere in some gym working out. So yeah. like they always knew my work ethic wasn't a question. So Dooley, kind of the same thing. He kept us on scout team. Um, he let us hop in practices where we could. And then um, we were able to get that opportunity after his first year. He, like, um, you know, I was about to be done. Like, I was like, I don't want to manage again another year. Um, I'm kind of off of it. Like, and then um, Kyle Robinson, one of our director of basketball operations, um, like, texted me and Ian together because me and Ian were both managers that got put on the team together. Um and he texted us like, hey, are you guys coming back for basketball camp? I know you talked about it with AD, the infamous basketball camp. And I was like, man, I don't know. I don't really want to work that. Like, I'm, I'm like, kind of starting to think, like, I don't really want to be a manager. And he was like, well, he kind of has something important for y'all to, to tell to, to tell y'all if y'all want to come back. So we were like, we kind of had an idea. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, we come back and, like, he called us into the office. And he was like, hey, do you guys want to be walk on? And we were like, yeah, like, yeah, like, for sure, for sure, like. It's an opportunity we want. And, like, we kept it cool, like, in Dooley's office. And then we go down into the locker room and start jumping up and down. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> finally made it. And then it was, like, kind of humbling, honestly. It was a humbling moment because we go back up. We're watching, like, I think this was, like, high school kids camp. So we're, like, watching the camp. Like, and then um, the camp was finishing up, but we were, like, watching somebody play. I can't remember. It was somebody from, like, Fayetteville who was, like, a good player. So we mm-hmm. wanted to watch them. And, like, uh, one of the assistant coaches, like, called us, like, hey, are you guys coming down to clean up the gym? Like, you guys aren't, on the t- aren't, aren't like, officially on the team yet. We were like, what, man? Like, we're on the team. Like, yeah, we're going to clean up the gym. But we were just watching. But it was, like, one of those situations, like, I don't know. Like, it wasn't 
like hazing or anything by any means, but it was like, okay, well, you're still a walk on, like, you know, yeah. so we yeah, went down the stripes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like you gotta earn yourself. Like, yeah. So it was like one of those situations, like, okay, snap back into reality, but it was it was definitely a, a, a happy moment. And I'm very thankful Coach Dooley gave us that opportunity to um be able to come on the team. So what were your two years like playing for him? Like the, oh, switching up from being a manager down to playing. Yeah, so like for me, man, like for me it was like honestly it was heightened. Like it was like okay, now it's like go mode even more. Like um every time like we had an extra lift or anything, like you want to go and do that because like I don't know, like you guys know the East Carolina history, like you're like, okay, you're a walk on there. Um, but like for me, I always try to put it in a different perspective. Like Justin Hardy, like was a walk on, like guys like that. So I'm thinking like, okay, now I'm on the team. Like, you know, I'm hoping to have a shot to like play and like maybe make an impact because I really do. I love East Carolina University so much. And like, I went to the school there and I understood like, you know, most people there, Carolina basketball fans, Duke basketball fans, but I saw the excitement that the baseball team got. I saw the excitement that the football team got. And I wanted our team so bad, man, in our time there to have that same excitement for, for our program. So it was like really just trying to work hard as I can, like work out with guys. Jaden Gardner, he was always in the gym. Like Ian Jones was always in the gym with me. Um, Tristan Newton, when he got there, just trying to make sure like, okay, we have pieces here. But also like myself, I want to leave a legacy, leave an impact, you know, be that. Because like, like I said, when I was coming into college, I was looking at guys like Baker Mayfield, Justin Hardy, like guys who were walk-ons that made like legendary impacts there. Um, and like Zay Jones was there my freshman year. Like guys, he wasn't a walk-on, yeah. but he was under – under-recruited guy. So now yeah. it's like, okay, you want that opportunity for yourself. So, like, doing whatever you can, lifting extra weights, running on the track. I used to always run around campus, um, shooting in the gym, like, you know, doing whatever it was, being the first to show up, being the last to um, leave. That's what I was trying to do in my time as a team. And um, it was tough because Coach Dooley's a new coach there. So, like, you know, like at, at AD talked about, he cleaned house. He got a lot of his guys there. So it was a tough situation because he wanted to give those guys a chance to play. And um, it was just tough because it was like a total culture change from Lebo and Coach Perry, like really, really chill, not too much on the disciplinary side. Where like Lebo, like I mean Dooley, is like no joke at all. Like, and I've never had a problem. Like when it came to like, I was never like slacking when it came to like school, like another jokes like that. But as our team, it was tough because like we had to kind of like he had to kind of put his foot down. So we ran a lot. We ran a lot. We ran a lot. We were like a track team sometimes. So like, that was like kind of playing for Dooley as he was, he was hard on us. And then like in my second year as a player was his third year as a coach. And we had just came off, you know, our season got cut short because mm -hmm. of COVID for the conference tournament. And then, um, so it was really just all basketball because, you know, there was, wasn't really anything else to do. Yeah. So that he was real. I mean, he was real um, tough on us. Like, it was total opposite from Lebo. And, um, you know, there were a lot of growing pains that we had to go through with, you know, players, coaches getting adjusted to that. Mm -hmm. So um, it was tough, but, you know, we had some good memories. Um, you know, obviously playing with a guy like Jaden Gardner, he was special, still is a special person, special talent. So, like, having just having that front um, courtside seat, watching that, mm -hmm. um, it was amazing. Um, just seeing that, you know, you saw the flashes from Tristan. Um, he was a really good player, and we had some big wins there. Like, our second year, we beat Houston, and it really sucked because there were no fans in the crowd except for, like, some boosters, I think, and maybe a couple parents. Yeah. So that really sucked, but um, it was a – I mean, it was a legendary biggest win in ECU history since beating Marquette when Dwayne Wade was there. So that was awesome. So, 
Um, there was there was there was definitely some good things there, um, for sure. So that's kind of you know playing for Dooley. It was a total flip, man. You couldn't you could not you can't play around at all with Coach Dooley. So uh, that, <laughs> yeah. that's kind of how it was. You know, I'm I'm, I'm gonna bring this up because I, I like how you talked about East Carolina with like the type of players and stuff they're accustomed to having. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you you hear the big names and stuff that do come out of ECU, um, and along with like people like us, like we, we had to walk on cause I was a walk on too. And we used to have those conversations all the time when we were, we were living together and everything. Um, ECU is known mm-hmm. for developing like just out of the blue, nowhere athletes. Yeah. We, ECU all has always picked up those. Well, look at Shane. Uh, Ruffs. Shane Carter. Shane Carter. Yeah. Yep. Walk on, sent his tapes to 60 different schools. Nobody looked at him. ECU was the only one that said, Hey, we'll give you a preferred walk on spot. Got it. Became a living legend in Greenville. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows who Shane Gardner. Yeah. Is. You mentioned that name anywhere from Raleigh to East ECU area. He, yeah. he trademarked the tattoo. Oh, dude, yeah. that was like every time, yeah. every touchdown. Yeah, every, every <laughs> touchdown, right there. Yeah, and the crazy thing is too, like Shane Carden, like you can even say it goes like in Raleigh and Chapel Hill, they know about him. Like everybody, oh, remembers they do. Everybody know remembers what that ECU team did to State in Carolina that year. So like. I mean, yeah, like guys like that, like Shane Carden, like I remember going to the football games, him coming back and, you know, like guys like that. So you really, you know, hope for that opportunity uh, for me. You know, of course, it never really came for me personally, but also just being there, like Tristan Newton had his locker was right next to mine. Like we talked all the time, um, you know, even to this day, we still keep in contact here and there. So, like, he was kind of like, you know how people talk about like your vet, like, or your rook, like he was kind of like my rook when he came in, like, Myself, Ian Jones, like we talked with him all the time. Like what we saw on the court, different things. Him, Tremont Robinson, White, like all these guys. Like Jaden's like one of our best friends. So like even though we didn't necessarily get the opportunity, like we talked to those guys all the time. Like mentally, like how to stay mentally sharp and like just making sure. So like seeing their success, like um, it was good. It almost make it made it feel like it was our success because we were really close with those guys and we talked with those guys a lot. So to see them do well. Um, it felt it felt really good. And um, like Jaden wasn't like a super high recruit. Like he was right there, like NC State, those schools, Chapel Hill, like Duke, even when he went back in the portal, Chapel Hill and Duke didn't offer him like, you know, like those guys just seeing the success they had. Um, it really did mean a lot. But like you said, ECU was known for those underrated athletes. So um, like just to be able to put on the purple and gold and in the moments that we did get in, the opportunities that we did get to score, um, you know, that was that was definitely memorable. And I, I'll never be able to forget forget those moments. So, um, you know, we're hoping with Coach Schwartz, you know, hopefully he can kind of get us going and, and kind of get the program going in the right direction it needs to be. But um, definitely, like, I have no regrets. Like, um, definitely good memories there. And all my teammates and players that, that I play with and managers, uh, we have great memories. And, and you know, I, I think I left a good impact there. And I always like to say, like um, – you know, you just kind of want to leave a place better than um, you found it. And I think we like there, even in those little small clips and, you know, pouring into people like Tristan and Jaden and, um, you know, good players that we had there, Elijah Hughes, um, Caleb White, like that impact will forever be left. And meeting people like Addison Hill, Justice, um, those are like elite people. I know you asked on the pod too how like Justice did it. I actually, so I actually lived with Justice okay. for part of the summer, man. It was crazy. This dude's work ethic was crazy. So Justice was the type of person, right, where he could have a social life. Like, mm-hmm. say, like, he goes to dinner or he goes out or something, like, right? 
But Justice would set an alarm every day. He would have all his alarms set up, and his it would be calculated out. So even if he like had went out last night, he'd set an alarm six a.m. You I would hear it because like mind you, like if I had went out or something, like I'm hearing this alarm, and I'm like, man, what is going on? Like it's like Saturday, <laughs> and he would wake up, and like if you if you open his door, his door would be open, and he'd just be reading. Like this dude is like a this dude's a freak. Like Shane, man. He would he would read, he would go and get his lift in, he would get his shots up. Like he was a freak of nature. So like just stories like that, I'll never forget stories around people like that. Like I live with Dimitri A too. He had a really good work ethic. Like he would always work out, be in the gym. Um, you know, I think one thing too with like with playing under Dooley and managing under Dooley, like the only disconnect I think with a lot of players and like what kind of separate us from like kind of taking the next step that everybody wanted us to take is probably just communication. Like if the communication, um, the way you go about certain things, like you guys know, you don't talk to everybody the same. You don't coach everybody the same. And then also just putting people in certain positions to like maximize their talents. I think that's more of what the disconnect was. And that's kind of what, what led to him leaving and um, being let go by John Gilbert is just like the communication and just the opportunity, putting people in the right spots. Um, Mm -hmm. And then he would have—he probably still be at ECU if he was able to do that. So yeah. that was kind of where he kind of fell short there because, you know, a team like you guys know, a team in a program it can go south fast and like it can shut down. And once you lose a locker room or you lose a program, um, it, it's hard to get that back. So I think that's kind of how it was there. Absolutely. Yeah, you definitely need guys like how you and Ian were because I know Ian was right there with you because I, I remember him um, when we were living together and all that. He had a very strong work ethic as well. He worked his ass off. Um, yeah. You you guys, you you don't really understand whenever you like you're a fan sitting in the stands watching him on the court, but like guys like y'all that you may not get all the playtime in the world, but like you're, you're in the locker room and you've been there, you've been in the culture, you know how everything goes. You developing these guys from a young age, coming straight in. I don't know what's going on, but being that, like that anchor for the team per se. Yeah. And you're really bringing them up, encouraging them, making sure they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're doing something wrong. And like the coach may say something completely different. Like you said, with the communication wise, but you guys know how to communicate to them. Right, so right. sometimes y'all are the bet y'all are the better coaches in some instances than mm-hmm. the actual coaches itself. Yeah. You you can correct those faults and you can get everybody on the same page in the right dialect that they're gonna understand it at. Right. Yeah. Right. And and for me, like, so um I'm I'm friends like with a lot of guys that played at ECU football for ECU, right? And like you said, with Shane Carden and like Justin Hardy, um, Zay Jones, even like um, Jimmy Williams, like those guys, like the disconnect that happened when Ruff left and Mo came was like a lot of people came to ECU like through that time frame because they knew they would take like underrated players and they would give them a shot, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's what Ruff thrived on is guys who just like, you know, if you look back, a lot of those guys were like walk-ons, one-stars, not a lot of offers, like, and they came to ECU because they knew they had an opportunity and they had a chip on their shoulder. So when they went to go play those guys at State, at Carolina, um, at bigger schools, they were like, okay, we had a chip on the shoulder and we always, like, once you have a chip on the shoulder and once you're underrated like that, like, you'll never lose it. Like, I saw an article last season on Zay Jones' work ethic and, mm-hmm. like, how, you know, um, oh, what team was Zay on last year? Jacksonville. Yeah. And how Trevor Lawrence, like Trevor Lawrence was loves throwing with Zay because like he says his work ethic, like no matter what Zay went through, and I know he had a lot of ups and downs in his career so far, people Derek Carr, like everybody always attests to his work ethic. 
Because, like, when you're underrated like that, you don't ever lose that chip on your shoulder, like, ever for life. So, like, when Scotty Moe came, it was like, okay, I don't really know these guys. Like, I'm going to go get my guys. And then, like, that's how you lose a team. And that's why our team looked the way it looked at ECU, like, because there was a disconnect there. Like, we, there's no way, like, you can say, like, you watch those ECU football teams we watch and, like, the, just giving up touchdowns. Like, I remember we played Virginia Tech. I think it was my freshman and sophomore year. It was freshman year. Yeah, and Cam Phillips, who was Virginia Tech's wide receiver, I don't know if y'all remember this, but they, like, he ran the same route, like, four plays in a row. Like, four plays in a row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was trying to out route, yes, the out route, yes. And then, um, like, the other V-Tech receivers just stopped, like, running routes. Like, it's like a football team, they only look like that if they're disconnected. Like, these guys are all D1 recruits, but they're disconnected. So, like, for us at ECU, it would be like, say, right, um, for for situation, like I had a teammate, I'm not going to say their name, right? But they would say, um, you know, coach always talks about you and Ian's work ethic and how you guys always work hard, but like you guys don't get the minutes. So like the precedent isn't set, you know, if that makes sense. So it's like these guys work hard, but they aren't getting the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And like that goes to anything. Like, you know, the East, the East Carolina baseball culture, like um, they're always there in the summer and like we're always be in the weight room around them at the same time. And like, Name an ECU player that's had success there. I can guarantee I've seen them in the weight room. I've seen them uh, in the cage, like, because we use their weight room, which was, like, next to their cage and on their facility, like, when COVID was going on and stuff like that. Like, I've seen those guys working. Like, everybody has to set a culture of work. And one thing I would say about Coach Mike Shorts that we have at ECU now, like, the guys that played last year were the guys that worked, like, hard. Like, Dave Kasange, like, He's a hard worker. He stays extra, like, you know, he was a walk-on. And he got, like, minutes because Coach Schwartz is trying to set that culture to, like, hey, if you work, you're going to get rewarded. So, yeah. like, seeing a guy like that, like, get minutes, like, and, um, you know, that's, like, that's how you set a culture and that's how you set a winning culture. And, like, our football program had it. And they're, start, they're getting it back definitely now with Mike Houston. Oh, yeah. but he's kind of like, like Ruffin McNeil with that, you know, walk-on mentality. Yeah, yeah. Like, they, like they don't care about stars. Like, he's going to take the best player. And yep. he's going to, like, play him. Like, it doesn't matter who it is. Like, you're going to play. You're going to try to win. So, like, that's the kind of culture you have to have. And, like, I understand because Dooley, um, you know, you have guys, recruits you're coming in. And like, I know y'all remember a lot of these guys were, like, highly talented coming in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But also, like, you have to earn it because, like, if you don't earn it, then, like, there's going to be an entitlement. And then, like, say, like, if you don't work hard, say I'm talking to you guys. I'm like, yeah. hey, you guys are going to play 35 minutes a night, like, regardless. Yeah. So it like really doesn't matter what you do, right? Like you're gonna play. So it's like okay. So not everybody's gonna be like have that intrinsic motivation. That's the one thing like with coaching, it's like super important to make sure you guys are like, you know, building a culture. And you guys know this to like, hey, um, you know, your work is rewarded. Like everybody has to work here, and then that's how we kind of have, you know, that it can't just be like, oh, one person works, and then like, you know, not everybody else works because, um. You know, that's kind of how you end up with a fractured team and, and your culture isn't all the way right. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of – sorry, that was a tangent. But oh, no, no, <laughs> it kind of answered the next question I was going to ask, which was what would you recommend to the next generation coming up? But it seems like, you know, playing with that chip on your shoulder, don't worry about whether you're highly recruited or not, that you can get that playing time. You just got to work your butt off for it. Yeah. Guess- yeah, no, that's what I would, I would, I would say for the next generation – um, just always remember, no matter what field you're in, is that your work comes first. Like, um, you know, there's a lot of things, especially now with social media and everything, NIL that comes with it. 
But, like, none of that matters if you aren't working. Like, for mm-hmm. me, like, if you're a basketball player, you should be getting your extra shots in. You should be lifting weights. Like, you only have a small window to, like, maximize your earnings, maximize, like, you know, my time in East Carolina is done. Like, you know, yeah. I will never, like, wear the purple and gold again. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like, I have no regrets. Like, I know I put in the extra work. I lifted the weights. I shot before practice. I shot after practice. Like, there isn't re- any regrets to go with that. So I'll tell kids this, like, don't be afraid to fail, right? Like, but put in your work, right? Because even if you fail, like, at the end of the day, you're going to have a lot more peace, um, inner peace, knowing that, hey, I gave it everything I had or, you know, I did as much as I could to maximize my potential because it's a small window and Absolutely. it is fast. So make the most of it. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. yeah. So like, let's talk about a little bit about what you're doing now. Cause yeah. you talk, you talk about like being ready for that next step and everything. And all, like, all we, like being prepared. we know that you're in between jobs right now. So you're but, looking yeah. for that. But, but also to what you're doing alongside with you're wanting to get mm-hmm. into coaching AAU and you also got your own podcast as well. So um, talk to us a little bit about, about that podcast stuff that you're doing now, because y'all are very similar to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So we're, we're very interested in that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I told you guys a little bit about this now. So I, for, I have been working two years ever since I left East Carolina. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them, shout out to my guy, Jonathan Jeffries. He played receiver. He walked on a receiver at East Carolina. And he took an area manager position with Amazon, working in a warehouse, kind of managing a warehouse. And it was a good experience, you know, two years um, leading teams. You know, it's, it's weird because, you know, you hop into college and you're working with people much older than you or you're even some younger than you and you have to be a manager. So um, that was a good experience for me. I learned a lot um, and kind of just to talk of kind of how in the sports world, um, I've always loved sports, love all sports. I'm out here in the Columbus, Ohio area now. So it's like a hub, you know, you obviously have, Ohio, the Ohio State University, that how everything that comes with that, which is like insane. I don't think I've seen anything like that in my life. Just growing up in North Carolina, I talked to y'all I like it about it. Um, it's like saturated because there's so many teams in North Carolina. Where like here, it's like one team, and then also it's been really cool because you know you have the Blue Jackets now, which is for hockey. Um, there's a golf tournament, the Memorial, up here every year. Um, that's always pretty huge. Um, and then you have, like, you know, obviously, like I said, the Ohio State football, which is insane, uh, basketball program. Um, you have their hockey program, too. So it's, it's huge up here. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I, I just love going to those sporting events. We have the Columbus Clippers up here, AAA team, um, the Columbus Crew MLS team. So I love going to sporting events when I first moved up here, um, going to Cincinnati Reds games, all this stuff, um, Cleveland Guardians, like Cavs, Browns, Bengals. Like, it's sports galore here. So I enjoy going to those games, um, just kind of helped me, you know, get adjusted to, you know, moving out here. Cause I, like I said, I've always loved sports and, um, I kind of have a, a group chat with myself, John Whitley, um, Jaden Gardner and Ian Jones. And we just like love talking sports. Like we talk all sports, you know, you guys get into the debates, we get into the debates, like, mm-hmm. and we're like, man, we should record this, like, and just kind of put it out as a pod. And, like, Trey Young, like, used to, like, when he was going on that crazy run with the Hawks, and, like, I think he's still to this day, he would always, like, comment or hashtag, like, we move. And, like, for us, um, just kind of, like, you guys have heard my story. Um, One of the for me is, like, it's always been, like, you always had to kind of push through adversity and kind of keep going. And, like, um, one of those things is, like, you know, to say, like, okay, like, whether it's, like, relationship-wise with people or, like, anything, like, you just have to, we move, keep it going. So that's kind of how we got the name for our group chat. And we were like, all right, let's put it on there. 
and kind of how you guys talk about we know a lot of different people who in a lot of different areas of sports, um, whether they play sports right now or they're, you know, Bree, we just had Brianna Wood, who was a great volleyball player at ECU, and now is working in the ECU athletics administrative side. So mm-hmm. just talking to people on a lot of different ends of sports, talking to men, talking to women, um, and just kind of how they can inspire the next younger generation. Obviously, you know, talk a little music, but I'm huge into the sports, so that's kind of how we launched the We Move pod. And um, it, it's really cool, man, Um, you know, kind of doing the same, similar things you guys do, record the pod, put them out there, put that audio, video out there, um, and just try to, like, if we can inspire one person, um, that's, that's just cool. that's yeah. the way we want to go about it. So it's just kind of for fun, man, and it's kind of, like, turned into more and more people, you know, wanting to come on, wanting to talk with us. And just it's good too, just to catch up with people. Like yeah. Dylan was my roommate, you know. For anybody that doesn't know, for semester for a semester at ECU, um, and you know I haven't talked to him in a while, so just being able to catch up with people and hear their stories, like so I was you know, a Addison, so I completely get it. Yeah, yeah. So like, um, me like because me and Dylan had these conversations, like when we were, um, you know, when we were living together. Mm-hmm. But you know, you put this out there, and you know, you hope it, you know, strikes even one sentence that I said or one sentence that you say resonates with somebody so that's kind of how we got started with the we move pod yeah that's 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 the main goal that's what we've really been striving for is if if we can take anything out of these stories that we get whether it's we were involved with it or like we bring somebody on that has a whole unique different perspective about it all um if we get these people to actually like give these stories out and just put it out there and if you get one little part of it that can affect a 13 year old yeah. that's lived yeah. that possible this to it or sees a clip on Instagram or something like that and hear that story or just get that motivation and say, Hey, today I'm going to get that 1% better. Yeah. That we all, just like Parker said, we, yeah. we all um, went after whenever we're at ECU is yeah. getting that 1% better every single day. Yeah. As long as like we can, uh, we can attest to people that want to get better and want to grow and want to go to big schools and, or just want to play sports, whether it's at a D2, D3 level, yeah. um, JUCO level, whatever it is, um, giving them that motivation to say, hey, there's been other people that have done this before mm-hmm. and it's very possible for me to be just like them, if not better. Exactly. And if we if, if we can hit the hit these kids yeah. in a different way and just like move that generation from, from where they are now with the crap that's going on in the world, to and it's not their fault. No, it's, no, it's not their. Fault. It, it, a lot of it has been like there's been just mess all yeah. over social media, just like toxic, yeah. bad stuff. Like we're trying to change the narrative. Yep. Yeah. No, hundred percent. And like for me, like, I, I know for me, like a lot of things, like I have videos like saved in my Instagram, like of like different athletes and different people like saying stuff that like motivated me when I was in college or even now, like people who motivate me now, whether it's in business or whatever the case may be. And um, that's really huge, man. Like I wish, like I wish when I was in high school or in middle school, like I knew this stuff even yeah. then, because like, that's one of the reasons like for the, we move by like, Hey, if we could talk to that 13 year old and he hears like, okay, I need to, you know, get my track workout in, get my weights in, and get my shooting in, like, and they start doing it at 13, they'll be way better by the time they're 18 or 17 or 16. So just, like, that one little – just that one little impact, like, that's what it's about. Because, like you said, like, social media, it it can be a lot of bad stuff on there. Like, there's times where, like, man, I don't even want this social media stuff. But, like, putting that positive content out there, that's what we need, more and more positive content out here. That's when y'all reached out, like, yeah, I'll for sure come on. Like, anytime, like – I'm not above any reproach, any interview, anything like that. Like, 
I love to, you know, hopefully go out there and put spread a positive message. Like I'm all about spreading a message um, of positivity and hard work and motivation. So, um, yeah, no, for sure. I keep it up, man. Keep doing what you guys are doing. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. y'all y'all keep working hard as well. Yeah. We love your content. Like I've been listening to a bunch of stuff that you've been putting out too. Um, y'all have got a really good thing going. So keep at it. And keep it, hustling, bro. And if any of those guys want to come on too, please let them know. Give them my number, Dylan's we number. We can we can collab. Yeah, we can do whatever. Just let us know. Like I said, like like um Addison, like Addison kind of told me like, hey, yeah, uh, he sent me everything about you guys, and um, you know, when you hit me up in in the DM, I, there's. Of course, I'll definitely come on. And I'm sure a ton of those guys will want to come on too. So when you guys drop this content, you know, I'm going to repost, put it, everything out there and send it to all my boys and have some more guys on. So yeah, just uh, like I said, I know a lot of people. So. Either one works. Yeah, well, we, get, we can get all that set up, man. Yeah. But uh, yeah, thank, thank you for coming on again, bro. Like, yeah. it's good to catch yeah. up. I mean, it's, it's been a hot minute, but uh, yeah, a minute, bro, me, I felt like I was a little bit of your uh, your big brother for a little bit because, like, I was the walk-on, and I know you were really trying hard to walk on as well, especially in that manager role. And you had you had nights where you were frustrated, and you you did come home late a lot. So, like, you know, we had a lot of those conversations. And uh, I, from my end, like, I'm, I'm proud of everything that you did and everything that you've done now. Um, and I really hope the best for you going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, thank you, man. That means a lot, man. And I appreciate you, man. Like I said, like, I, I don't know, man. Stuff is Some stuff is like destiny, man. You know, for me to even be, like I said, Dylan was my random roommate, man. So for you to be my, like, roommate, like, it just – that we didn't even know each other. It was just kind of by chance. Um, and then for you to have that situation as a walk-on, it was definitely motivating for me. So, yeah. like, you know, without – there's no telling, like, you know, without living with you, there's no – I might not have been able to continue to stay motivated. So, thank you for that. It's much appreciated. And uh, thank you guys for everything you do. Thank you guys for having me on. So, uh, yeah, I'll be sure yeah. to you guys all the way. Yeah, definitely. Um, make sure you all go on here, like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Follow us on our socials and make sure you go follow them on their socials. Where can they find you and your podcast at? Yeah, so they can find me on Instagram. I'm just at Evan Umstead. And then uh, on Instagram, uh, at We Move Pod on Threads, if you're on Threads, at We Move Pod. Um, on Twitter, at the, the We Move Pod. And then on TikTok, we are at We Move Pod. So that's where you can find us. Okay. Uh, definitely yeah y'all make sure y'all go y'all go follow them follow their content and i know they got episodes coming out on the daily so yep. make sure y'all uh y'all go get that and one more thing before we end this um make sure you go into our instagram page and click on that link for the charity event that we got going on with the maynard's children's hospital in greenville uh we're still planning on going to that event in november and we might have a couple of uh giveaways yeah, a couple of athletes couple of giveaways you know you never know what the fun may be Definitely, yeah, and make sure November 3rd and November 5th y'all come out. Um, I'll make sure to have the address and everything put up. So um, whenever we get that going, we're going to have a couple of athletes coming out, uh, do a little pop-up so you can meet them, get a couple autographs, cool deal. Um, so outside of that, man, I think we're, we are got to wrap this up. And with that, this is The Athlete's Table. This is a Beyond Sports Media production, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube.